In this episode of the podcast, Coach Sheffer sits down with Jake Timmerman, currently the offensive line coach for Grayson High School in Loganville, Georgia, who in 2020 earned the 7A Georgia State Championship. Coach Timmerman and I had a really good conversation about his story, how he got into coaching, and how he ended up at Grayson, as well as a good talk about offensive line play. I really hope you enjoy this episode. I enjoyed it. So here you go. This episode is brought to you in part by Second Skull. Second Skull is a protective headgear company focused on helping to keep athletes safe and to help keep athletes on the field participating in the sports that they love. Their products are patented, tested, and proven to reduce direct and rotational impacts to the head. Their technology is trusted by several athletic organizations and the United States military. Their pro cap is designed with the grant from the National Football League. This protective skull cap is the ultimate in thin, lightweight, and breathable protection. The pro cap is comparable to other skull caps that do not offer such protection, measuring at just two millimeters thick and weighing less than 2.4 ounces. The pro cap improves protection for all players when worn under their helmet and is perfect for football, baseball, hockey, and lacrosse. Their pro band is designed in collaboration with professional players and clubs in Spain. This protective headband provides superior protection with an aesthetic and athletic look. The pro band has a unique five panel construction with a reinforced forehead panel to deliver a natural feel and ultimate ball control at just four millimeters thick and a weight of 1.4 ounces. The pro band provides protection for all players in non-helmeted sports and activities and is ideal for soccer athletes. Listeners of the Armchair Coaching Podcast can go to secondskull.com and save 20% on any products purchased from that website with the discount code armchair. That's A-R-M-C-H-A-I-R in all caps. I want to thank Coach Anthony Stone for the opportunity to be a contributing author to his new magazine, the Coach Stone Football Coaching Magazine, From the Field to Football Podcasts, Coaching in the Digital Era. This is a great opportunity for me to get out there and grow the community of the podcast. Uh, so if you're looking for some free football content, go ahead and follow the link that I'm going to provide in the description of this episode below. Uh, and you're going to get some free stuff uh, from including from me, from Coach Steve, from the Coach Steve Show, Coach PJ Davis from the Shavehead Podcast, uh, Coach Matt Barkley, Bartley from the Game Records and Slobberknockers Podcast, Coach Nick Banstra from his Kick and Cover podcast, the Gap Down Backer podcast, and also Coach Dustin Mills from the Anchor Down podcast, as well as many others in the future. So if you are interested in free football content, and most of us coaches are, do us a huge favor and follow the link and like and subscribe to this magazine. It will help us out tremendously. Thank you. All Armchair Coaching Podcast episodes have been edited by Coach James Heath. Follow Coach James Heath on Twitter at jrockfordheath. And if you are interested in starting your own podcast, contact Coach Heath, and he will help you get set up with everything that you need for podcasting. Thank you, Coach Heath. I couldn't do it without you, brother. Welcome back to the Armchair Coaching Podcast. My name is Coach Sheffer, and I am your host. And today we have another guest. Today we have Coach Jake Timmerman who is the offensive line coach for the 2027A Georgia State Champions, the Grayson Rams. Coach, welcome on to the podcast. Thanks for having me on, Coach. I appreciate it. Now, um, the first question I'm going to ask you is one that I ask everyone who comes on to the podcast is, 
Um, I want to know a little bit about your story. It seems like every coach uh, has kind of a unique path into how they got into coaching. Uh, so, so how did you get into coaching? Uh, what were some of the stops that you've had along the way? And basically, how did you end up where you are today? Yeah, so this is uh, this past year was year seven for me. Um, I'm 30 years old. This is year seven. Uh, <clears throat> I grew up down in South Georgia, um, real small town, real small school. Um, so, you know, I, I grew up, you know, loving football, played since I was seven. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, just really enjoyed the game or whatever. Always enjoyed the, the schematic side of things. Um, had, a, had a couple of coaches who were, were really important for me uh, in my development, you know, not just as an athlete, but as a, as a young man, as a person. Uh, when I was in high school, um, Jimmy Fields uh, was one of those guys. He uh, unfortunately passed away uh, a little while ago, but he was a guy that was very influential on me, um, was a guy that, you know, still up until, you know, 10 years after I'd already played for the guy, um, you know, we would, he, would, he would take me uh, on his, his team retreat every year, uh, every summer. He'd, he'd take his team on a, on a whitewater rafting trip, and, and then after that up in North Georgia, and then after that they'd, they'd cross the Tennessee line and take him to a one-day camp at Carson Newman University. And so, um, you know, that was a guy that, that that relationship, you know, was, was well beyond football. And so, you know, he kind of inspired me to, to take on that role, uh, you know, maybe for some, for some other kids. Uh, you know, in the future or whatever. And um, so that's kind of where my, I guess, my love of the game and my love of coaching came from and my inspiration to, to do that. And, uh, and I just wanted to be around the game, you know, some way, somehow. And um, so, you know, I went to college, um, I, majored, I majored in history. Uh, I got my teaching certificate and all that good stuff. I graduated in um, 2014. Uh, I got my first job uh, at Northside High School in Warner Robins, Georgia. Uh, which is right like in the middle of the state. Um, one of the one of the best programs in the state, a uh, program that had a, a winning tradition um, for a number of years. Uh, coach Conrad Nix was a legendary coach that had coached there. Um, then uh, I, I had the opportunity to come on and uh, be part of the program. I spent the first two years there um, as a ninth grade offensive line coach. Uh, my first year there, we won the state championship, uh, which was really cool. Um, and so that kind of, that year kind of set the bar pretty high for me and my expectations, uh, what this whole coaching thing is supposed to be like. Um, but I spent the first two years there as a ninth grade offensive line coach, <clears throat> which I think was really good for me. Um, gave me an opportunity to, to kind of figure out what kind of coach I wanted to be. Gave me an opportunity to figure out, okay, well, you know, this is, this profession is more than just X's and O's. You know, there's all kinds of little things you got to do off the field. Um, prepping for practice, game planning, all that stuff, uh, laundry, you know, the stuff that nobody thinks about, right, um, and kind of get give me, give me used to, you know, bu building relationships with the kids. Um, and so I spent the first two years doing that. Like I said, I think it was very important for me. Um, you know, I think that's something that a lot of young coaches should be, should be open to um, is, is, is getting, especially in my situation, just getting my door in a program like Northside um, was, was a great opportunity. Um, and so, you know, I would encourage, you know, young coaches or guys who are trying to look into depression or, or, or just trying to maybe get their foot in a, in a maybe more big time program is, you know, take, take that ninth grade job maybe for a year or two. Um, cause it'll help you kind of get back to basics a little bit and, 
like I said, give you a way to maybe get in the door some other some places. But uh, two years after that, uh, I was the varsity offensive line coach there. And then my fifth year there, um, which was my last year there, I was uh, I was the offensive coordinator for the ninth grade. Um, I, I thought that was a good opportunity for me to, you know, as someone who does want to be offensive coordinator someday and, and, and take on that role, felt like that was a good opportunity for me to get a little bit of taste of that, of, of you know, putting together practice plans for uh, the whole offensive side of the ball, not just my position group. Um, you know, training or coaching quarterbacks was obviously a little bit different and, and seeing things from the past game perspective of things. So that was a, gr- a great opportunity for me. Uh, in 2019, uh, I got the opportunity to come to Grayson High School, um, which, you know, I'm, a lot of people probably know Grayson. Uh, but if they don't know Grayson, it's, uh, it's one of the biggest one of the biggest programs here in the state of Georgia. Um, it's a program with a national brand. And so um, having the opportunity to come come to a place like that was was great. Um, they they just got a new head coach, uh, Adam Carter, who uh, Coach Carter and I were familiar with each other because he was previously um about Austin High School, which was in our region when I was at Northside. So, you know, we kind of knew each other through that and we linked up. And so I had the opportunity to come to, to Grayson in 2019. <clears throat> uh, 2019 season, we, uh, I was co- I coached the varsity offensive line here, of course, like you said. And uh, 2019 season, we had a pretty good season. We were 11-2. and two. We made it to the third round of the playoffs. Um, kind of exceeded some folks' expectations um, because the class before we got there was, was absolutely loaded. Um, I mean, they had they had all kinds of kids. I think they had three Division One offensive linemen or three Power Five offensive linemen. And so, um, you know, people were kind of unsure where things were going to go with us. But we went eleven and two. Um, came into the twenty twenty season with a lot of expectations on us. Obviously, you know, then we had to deal with all the COVID stuff. <clears throat> um, but we, you know, our our kids and our coaches persevered through that, and we came into the twenty twenty season. And uh, you know, we. Uh, we played well in, in a lot of our games, and our kids did a great job. Our coaches did a great job, and we went undefeated this year, 14-0, won the state championship, and it was, uh, you know, an incredible feeling to get back to that. Like I said, we, we won it my first year at Northside, and, uh, you know, I've kind of been chasing that ever since. So to sort of get back up to that point was uh, was an amazing feeling, and I was extremely excited for those kids, um, you know, to, to have that type of experience. Well, that's pretty awesome, Coach. I mean – there's a lot of coaches out there who go through their career and never win a state championship. And now you, you, you're, you're pretty young and you can say, well, I've got two under my belt technically. So yeah, you've got a head start on all of us. Yeah. Um, I've been very fortunate. Yeah. And so uh, I know you kind of mentioned it with your, um, the first coach that you mentioned was definitely a definite influence on you in your uh, coaching career. Uh, are there any other, um, coaches that have influenced you, whether that be um, your coaching philosophy or they've influenced you in how you view um, scheme or anything of that nature? Yeah, I mean, you know, certainly, you know, a lot of guys you come across with, you know, have an impact on you. I'd probably say um, early on in my in my coaching career, um, one of the guys I worked with down at Northside, his name's Kelvin McDavis. Um, very, very smart guy when it comes to football. He played a uh, he played for a national championship squad down at Valdosta State when they were running the true blue air raid with Coach Hatcher down there. And, um, so to have a chance to talk with him and, and learn some offensive line play from him uh, was, was a big influence, and he really helped to kind of establish my foundation as an offensive line coach. Um, 
the, the guy that I probably draw the most from now at, as far as offensive line goes is LaCharles Bentley. Um, the stuff he does with offensive line performance is, uh, in my opinion, the top-tier cutting edge in terms of offensive line play. Um, you know, that's, that's just how I feel about it. That's, that's what we believe in. That's what I teach. Um, and I think, you know, the results speak for themselves, uh, you know, just to be quite frank about as far as our performance and stuff on the field goes. So that's just what I believe in. I, it's, it's paid off for us. Um, you know, um, if you don't know what it is, you know, I encourage you to, to check it out, especially if you're O-line guides. Helps, helps give us answers. Things helps us, you know, and the kids be able to speak a common language with each other. And, um, you know, as far, as far as the rest of that stuff goes, uh, guys like Alex Gibbs, I'm um, a big wide zone guy. If anybody, you know, have seen any of my clinics or stuff, I've talked about wide zone a few times. I think it's a great play. Um, and he's the guy I look to, to to learn from a lot of that stuff. Um, coach Pittman, who, was, of course, you know, was a all-line coach here at UGA for, for a few years. Um, he was a guy that, you know, would always be willing to talk ball, like at clinics and stuff like that. Um, and se- several other college guys that, that I've been able to establish relationship with and talk ball with and stuff like that. Coach, coach Herb Hand, uh, Coach – Coach Garen Justice, Coach Eric Mateos, uh, Coach Cody Kennedy—you know, guys like that—that that, uh, you know, that are always willing to to reach out and talk ball or whatever—is um, is always is always beneficial. Yeah, the um, the Charles Bentley—I've been watching all of his stuff and uh, trying to soak it all in. It's it's so comprehensive, and I need more time to sit down and more notebooks. Um, yeah, I mean, I've. I, I started getting into the OLP stuff um, maybe 2000, 2017. This 2017 season is kind of, I think, maybe when I first heard of it. Um, and then, you know, uh, 2018 season, like I said, I spent really more time as that ninth grade offensive coordinator doing quarterback stuff. So I didn't dive into it too deep. But um, that that offseason or whatever, um, when, I knew, when I knew I was going to be back taking an offensive line job, I dove in, uh, decided just to commit to it fully because it just made sense to me. I thought it was, um, you know, it, it comes at things from a biomechanical standpoint, from from a human anatomy standpoint, and because because offensive line is about, you know, finding the max, you know, the maximum uh, most efficient way to to move from point A to point B, while also a lot of times having to move somebody else from point A to point B. Um, you know, whether that's run blocking, pass protection, or whatever it is. So just you know, the biomechanics of things, the science behind it um, just made a ton of sense to me. And uh, so, you know, I, I just bought in, fully committed to it and um, have implemented it here. And uh, our kids have done a great job of buying in and, and focusing on on those things. And, uh, you know, I really think it's helped put us in a position to be successful up front. Yeah, definitely. And so those listeners who are offensive line guys who haven't heard of OLP, uh, I definitely suggest that you guys look into it and, and start buying into it. Um, now I have watched a couple of your um, clinics before online. And one of the things that really resonates with me was the fact that uh, you are consistently talking about finding ways to make things simple for the offensive line. Um, oh, yeah. So what are some examples of ways that you try to make things simple for the O-line so that they can play to their best? Just, you know, uh, having having a, a small number of, of base schemes, um, a base a base concepts, you know, whether that's going to be, um, you know, like power and counter, for example, you know, for for your offensive line, you know, power and counter on the front side is is basically the same play. 
Um, and so then the things you can do off of that, you know, especially if you go, um, if you go GH counter, you're really only changing one guy. Um, now obviously it's a little bit different if you go GT, cause now you got two guys pulling, but if you run GH counter, which, which is what we mainly have done in, in the past uh, couple years at Grace, and that's been our number one gap scheme. Um, you're, you're changing one guy, and that's, that's all you got to do. And, and then so, you know, all the multitude of things you can do off of that, you know, power toss, power read, you know, counter bash, you know, all those different things that you can do just off of essentially is what, is, what is one scheme. I mean, to me, I consider power and counter basically the same scheme because you're really just changing one guy. Um, at least that's how I try to look at it. And then, you know, inside zone and outside zone. Um, again, the simple things you can do off that, you know, zone lock. Um, again, you're just maybe you're changing one guy, you know, maybe two guys that they've got a three and a five on the backside. Um, outside zone lock, same thing. You might change one guy, you know, as opposed to running regular outside zone. And then um, dressing everything up around them. Um, you know, we're at, at Grace in the past two years, you know, we were going to run outside zone, inside zone and counter. And those were our big three. Um, we'd sprinkle some power and some dart in there. Um, but we're going to find different ways to run those schemes, um, whether that's with different formations or motions or RPOs or tags here and there. But we're not, you know, we're not going to run a thousand different schemes every week um, in terms of, you know, all different concepts. We're going to run, you know, kind of a core group and then maybe, you know, change one or two guys or, or dress it up with, like I said, either emotions or shifts or, you know, maybe an RPO tag where you're, you know, like a, one of my favorite ones is a bash, like I said, where you're maybe running GT to the right, but the back is coming across to the left. Quarterback's, you know, reading the end. If the end squeezes, he hands the sweep off. If the end chases the sweep, he, quarterback keeps it, right? Um, so just finding little ways like that to, to change, make all the, make all the skill guys memorize stuff, right? They get to score all the touchdowns and stuff and they get to be on the highlight tapes and get their names in the newspaper. So, you know, make them memorize stuff and let the big guys keep things simple so we can play fast. I I can't remember who said it. I, I was listening to a, a different clinic and they were talking about very similar thing uh, for running backs and quarterbacks, the guys running the ball. It's very easy for them to learn a new play because they're getting the ball and they know exactly where to go with it. It's, yeah. it's incredibly difficult to teach a brand new scheme to the offensive line. And yep. if someone has not coached offensive line before and they haven't worked closely with the O-line, a lot of times they don't quite understand how much time it takes to teach a new play because, believe it or not, you're, you're teaching five different guys a different job on each play. And then, you know, if, if you're in a situation like we were, we had five guys who were our starters, but we had one or two kids who might come in, but hey, you might play tackle next week. You might play guard. You never know where you're going to be. Exactly. Kind of, if, if they all have to know every single job for every single play, that's that's a <clears> lot. And that's that's what I tell my guys. You know, I, I tell my guys, look, if, if, if you don't know what the person next to you is supposed to do, then you don't know what you're supposed to do because there's a good chance that y'all are going to combo at some point you know, in some of these schemes. So, you know, to me, that's why I tell my guys, like, you can't tell me you know what to do if you don't know what the person next to you is supposed to do. Exactly. Um, next question I had for you was, uh, what are some of your favorite offensive line drills? Like, do you have everyday drills that you use? Um, or do you just have some favorites that you like to fall on whenever you need to? And, uh, you know, for the offensive line, what's your favorite kind of practice structure? Do you like 
inside run first or, you know, pass pro, like how, how do you structure your practices? So, um, you know, I'll kind of give you some examples. Like right now we're, we're in our off season training phase right now. We're about to, we're now, we're about to get started up with spring ball, uh, uh, here next week. But for the past three months, we've been in our off season training phase, um, where I meet with a small group of guys after school, a few days, uh, a few days after school, um, during the week for, for about an hour, hour and 15 minutes. And, during those days, you know, the, the early phases of that really about, about the first month or so is spent um, building up our, our core strength, our unilateral strength. So I'll do, I'll do a lot of single leg stuff. I'll do a lot of uh, uh, isometric core stuff um, really bef- before, before we even get into football stuff. Um, and then um, once we've kind of gotten that stuff down, I feel like they've kind of built their core strength up a little bit. They, they're, they're, they're capable of, of, you know, putting force through the ground through one leg and, and moving themselves on just one leg. Um, then we'll start to get into our stance and stuff like that and we'll spend a good couple of weeks just doing our stance and uh, what I call posture maintenance, which is um, you getting in your stance and then me applying, you know, different stressors to you while you're in that stance, whether that's, you know, some, some bands around the inside of your knees to, to try to pull out. So you've got to engage your adductors to keep your knees inside your ankles or um, stuff with a med ball, whatever it is. But then once we actually get into the football training stuff, I'll tell you probably my favorite thing that I've done this off season uh, that's been with our pass pro stuff. I got it from the guys over here in, uh, in Georgia, Velocity Football. Um, they're uh, O-line training company here in Georgia. Great guys. I go over there at least once or twice every off season to, to pick up some new stuff from them, but I implemented, uh, it's, it's like a, it's like a, uh, I guess you could say a, a ladder, like a ladder circuit, if that makes sense. So, um, we, uh, med balls are huge for us. Uh, if you're an offensive line coach and you don't have some med balls, man, I'd really encourage you to go buy some cause they're so versatile. You can use them for so many different things. Um, I think we use like the J fit brand. They're, they're like six to eight pounds. Um, you don't, they don't have to be super heavy. They're just light enough where they can serve, you know, uh, whatever you need them to do. But anyway, so like, for example, um, the, they're, they're, the linemen are basically going in a straight line forward. Right. And so the first, the first section is usually them coming from a knee. Uh, we, we use the OLP strike sticks. Uh, if you guys aren't familiar with those, they're just kind of a hand tool to help you implement, you know, your, your strike and stuff like that. So, the guys will, they'll come from, they'll, uh, and this is just one at a time, right? Going boom, 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 straight ahead. Uh, they'll go from a knee. We'll go one set. We'll go one set, two set, three sets each time through, right? Um, so they'll go from a knee and we're going to work an outside hand strike. Then they'll move a knee on the ground. Then they'll move up to the next one. Same thing, but knee on the med ball. Bam. Set, take a set, work their strike. Then the next one, they move up. Um, they've got the med balls on the ground. They're in a, in a two point, right? Posture stance. Uh, fingers, fingertips are right there on the med ball. They're taking a set and they're rolling the med ball with them. Um, and again, that helps just to kind of maintain that, that proper posture, that hip level, you know, in our past set. And then the fourth one is, is usually a wild card, uh, maybe something else, the med ball, or maybe kind of some variation or whatever like that. But that's been huge for us. Um, cause we, we do that every day when we do our pass pro stuff, um, just to kind of b- build those mechanics in, um, and make a muscle memory. Um, so that, you know, when we get out there, we don't have to think that they've, that they've done it a thousand times and it's just, it's just muscle memory. It's, that's the only way they know how to take a pass set. You know, that's, that's the idea, right? It's, uh, you know, don't, don't practice. Don't, what is it? Don't practice, uh, till you, till you uh, get it right. Practice till you can't do it wrong. Right. And so 
that's some stuff we do in the off season. Uh, in season, big thing for us is our pod work. Um, our pod work. Um, I know a lot of guys break their offensive line stuff up into you know one guy takes. If you're fortunate to have two offensive line coaches, which which we've been, um, you know some guys take centers and guards. One guy takes tackles and tight ends. But for us, we found it to be most effective to just go left side, right side. Um, and we work our pods because we, we run a lot of zone stuff. And so um, th- those those pods are huge for us, you know, center, right guard, right tackle, center, left guard, left tackle, and just work work your zone schemes, work your gap schemes, whatever it is. So um, those pods are, are huge for us in terms of um, getting those looks. And, you know, we do, we do that probably more than we do maybe drills during the season. Um, just to put him in, put him in a, in a, in a sort of controlled game-like setting in those kind those combo pods and go from there. Now, when we, when we really first start getting started, you know, like in the summer, um, you know, I'll start off like with an, in, let's say we're doing wide zone. This is kind of how I do the progression in wide zone is we'll start. All right. This is one person, one guy on offense, one guy on defense. This is a basic reach block. Okay. Here's a breach block on a guy who's head up. Here's a guy who reach block on a wide five. All right, here's trying to reach a guy that's in a wide nine, okay? Or, all right, well, now you can't reach him, so now we work our torque and pry technique, all right? Then uh, then we'll maybe work with uncovered guys. Like, all right, you're you're uncovered, so now you're going to work on, you know, climbing to the back, climbing to the back, right? And then we'll start to put two guys together, you know? All right, so here's a covered-uncovered combo, right? We worked that, boom, boom, over and over again, front side, back side. Then we maybe add three guys, then we maybe add four, and then we maybe have the, the whole thing going. So, um Instead, you know, more than drills, I would say, we, we do those pods uh, all the time during the season. Yeah, I, I, I think you and I have a similar philosophy. I, early on in the season, I'll do drills and we'll work on the footwork and the, the basics. And then later in the season, there's a lot of times where I'm like, we're not working on footwork today. We're working on this play and we're working on this particular grouping, just like you were yep. saying. Uh, I just never called it pods, but very similar to what you you were talking about there. It's to a point I like, I know everyone's all excited about everyday drills, right? You know, every time there's a clinic, everyone wants to hear, okay, what drills do you use to do this? Well, drills are made to fix a problem. And if you are, if you have your footwork down, there's no use wasting five to 10 minutes of your 20 minute indie on doing the same drill every single day especially when you, let's say you have counter that you need to work on yeah, and you, you want to work on that blocking. You want to work on it as much as you possibly can. Um, oh yeah. So well, and that's a, you know, a thing I got from, you know, OLP and the Charles and stuff like that is, is, is drills don't build skills. Um, just doing, just doing a, 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 a drill over and over again, is not going to make you a better offensive lineman. You have to, you have to give your kids, you have to give your players, um, enough opportunities that are in like a control game setting to express those skills, right. To demonstrate those skills um, and, and put them to the use. Uh, you're, you can only do so many drills before you, you know, have to give them an opportunity to, ex- to express and apply those skills. That's just how, I, how I see it. So, you know, we don't do a ton of, you know, everyday drills or stuff like that. Um, now like pre-practice and stuff, we'll go get on the sled and we'll work, We'll work a little bit of our footwork, kind of getting our pads loose a little bit, um, things of that sort. But um, from from then on, we're we're almost always in, in pods. All right, listeners, we're going to take a short break for an announcement from our sponsors. 
This episode is brought to you in part by High and Tight Footballs. High and Tight Footballs are the world's only self-contained, pressure-measuring, multi-sensory, instant, audible feedback training footballs on the market. They have been used by NFL Hall of Fame players, NFL coaches, collegiate All-Americans, and players at all levels. Listeners of the Armchair Coaching Podcast can actually receive a 10% discount on any products purchased from High and Tight by using the discount link below in the description and by using the discount code ACP. Make sure you type in ACP at checkout to get a 10% discount on any items purchased from highandtight.com. This episode was brought to you in part by Knack Bags. Knack was created to make it easier for multitasking mobile professionals to get from point A to point B without lugging a bunch of bags. Their multi-purpose products combine the best features of a stylish daily-use computer backpacks with a patent-pending hidden compartment that you can easily access. Expand and pack like a suitcase whenever you need extra space for travel, the gym, or anywhere your life takes you. You can find Knack products exclusively at knackbags.com. Listeners of the Armchair Coaching Podcast can check the description of this episode below to find a special link to go to purchase Knack products. I'd like to thank our new sponsor, Launchpad Kickoff Tee, for joining us here on the Armchair Coaching Podcast family. Coaches, are you looking for that competitive edge, but you might not be paying attention to the kickoff game? Well, this is the company for you. I'd like you to go check them out. I have one sitting right here in my hand. It's incredibly unique. It's got a very large surface area and incredibly flexible wings. And so what this does for you here, it gives you extreme flexibility with how you want to kick off. Do you want to use the patented forward lean? Well, if you don't know what that is, go ahead and check out their website. You can do just about anything you want. You can dial up different types of squib kicks just with the different angles. You can literally do just about anything with this. And the nice thing is they send you this piece of paper here that goes with diagrams that show you all the different angles and techniques that they've discovered so far. And they are incredibly helpful on their website. I highly recommend you check them out. If you're interested, do me a favor. I want you to go to launchpadkickoftee.com slash ACP. Make sure you add the slash ACP. And if you're interested in buying one, if you go to this specific website, you can find the link, the, the link in the description below, you actually get a discount. You're going to get a 10% discount just from using the, the Armchair Coaching Podcast link. If you want to buy one, if you want to buy two, that's a savings of 25%. And if you buy three, you're actually going to get one for free. All right. So those are some huge deals that you're going to get there. So do us a huge favor, check out our sponsor at Launchpad Kickoff Tea. Make sure that you go to this specific site, launchpadkickofftea.com slash ACP. Launchpadkickofftea.com slash ACP. On the kickoff, it's not like all the other kickoff teas that you have. It's incredibly unique in uh, Grayson, Georgia. Uh, Earlier on, when we were talking about making things simple for the offensive line, you already kind of mentioned tags, um, but I kind of wanted to bring it back up because I recently watched one of your clinic videos and you did an excellent job talking about uh, tags for the run game and using tags to make your run game simplified. Um, and you mentioned earlier in this podcast talking about the lock tag and you uh, also talked about bash a little bit. 
Are there any other examples of different tags that you like to use? Maybe uh, for like how to make inside zone more versatile. What, what are some other tags that you might use for an inside zone play? So a couple that I like for inside zone is, um, I guess maybe what some people call a, a, an arrow, right? Um, you've seen Auburn do this where um, they try to make it look like split zone or divide zone, whatever you want to call it, with the, with the H-back coming across at like a 20 personnel look. Um, but instead of, instead of trying to kick that defensive end out, he's just running a flat route, all right? And you've got your receivers over there stalk blocking. Um, and I've seen teams do it two different ways. I've seen teams make it a, a double option where they, where they lock the backside and read the backer, and it's, it's, just, it's just a give or throw read. And then I've, I've also seen teams run it where they don't lock the backside um, and the quarter, it's, it's like true triple option principles almost, where the quarterback's going to read that in. If the end squeezes, he's going to pull it and kind of get out a little bit. And if, then if somebody's chasing him, he's going to dump it off to the back or the, the H-back that slipped out of the backfield, right, in that, on that flat route. Uh, but then if, or if nobody chases him, he can just take off and run. So I really like that one because – I really like that one because that's an easy play for you to do. Like uh, if you're in 10 personnel and let's say you've got a dude at H – you just kind of bring him in fast motion and time it up as right as he gets into the, the backfield, you run it off, and now he's coming off in the flats. It's an easy way to get your guy the ball. I like that one too um, because I, I was recently upgraded, I say upgraded, to uh, JV offensive coordinator, and I was watching that. I was like, inside zone is going to be our base play, and I want to make it simple for the JV kids but also make it look complicated to the other team. So making those little tags and having the offensive line do basically the same thing every play, but everything else looks a little bit different. That's oh, going to yeah. be, that's going to be key. Yeah. Another, another good one too. Like if you're playing, if you're playing even man fronts and, and they, you know, if they set their, if they set their three to the back, um, like the true running back instead of the H mm -hmm. um, instead of trying to get that backside guard, you know, double, uh, Wham, wham is a good one. So, like your, okay. your backside tackle locks on the five, backside guard inside releases to the backside backer, and now your H comes across. And it's like, so it's like divide, but instead of kicking the five, he's now going to kick the three technique, like old school short trap almost. And you hit it underneath. And the guys on the front side just run regular inside zone. Now they don't know anything. Yeah. All right. Uh, another really like big buzzword out there is RPOs. You know, yep. everybody, everyone's interested in RPOs and, and for good reason. Um, they're all over the place. Um, the question I have for you as an offensive line guy, uh, what are your thoughts on RPOs? Are you are you into them? Are they do, do you like them or what, what are your thoughts for those? I love RPOs because as an offensive line guy, I've I've been in a situation where, you know, we were a heavy run team. And we're trying to figure out how we're supposed to block nine people with seven blockers. Um, and that's, you know, you're banging your head against the wall sometimes. So I love RPOs because that's usually less people I got to block. Um, and so that's just kind of my, my take on it. But I do, you know, the thing, I think the thing with RPOs, honestly, the more film I watch and stuff, I think it's like an unwritten rule uh, in, in, the, in the mythos of, of football is that every time you pull and throw an RPO, your offensive line has blocked it perfectly. Uh, I think that's just a, I think that's just a rule. Um, you know, it just seems like every, it seems like every time I stop and watch somebody like, are they, oh, they pulled and threw it. Well, they blocked it up perfectly. 
Um, so, but no, I mean, that's just kind of the, that's the, the, you kind of have to live with that if you're going to be in that RPO world. And I, I like the, I like the RPOs because, you know, I'm a big believer in making the defense defend the whole 53 and a third. Um, like I said, I've been in situations where, you know, the defense has to defend about 20 and a third, um, you know, just as wide as the tackle box or whatever. And so, um, which that has its merits, you know, there are teams that have a lot of success with that, but, um, you know, making the defense spread out, they got to defend every player on every play, the whole width of the field um, at, at, at any, at any given point, you know, any of those skilled guys could get the ball. So, you know, I feel like it forces the defense to not be able to relax on stuff like that. So um, I love the idea of RPOs, you know, whether that's just, whether it's just a, you know, a pre-snap numbers read, whether you're actually, you know, riding the back and reading somebody to throw one, uh, one that's been really good for us the past couple of years is, um, we'll, we'll throw the backside glance route, reading that boundary safety that likes to fit into the box late as sort of that extra extra hat um, as teams, you know, roll their coverage to, to the field or whatever. And um, that's been a big one for us. Um, that, guy, that guy starts creeping up, coming in, trying to be an extra fitter, and then, boom, we got a, we got a nice little glance route behind him. And so we, we've hit a few big ones on that. I recently listened to a college coach who was given a clinic on RPOs and he was saying the, the his philosophy behind RPOs are they run RPOs to run the ball. Mm-hmm. Like that's what the R stands for. It started stands for run. And the quarterback has now been turned into the run game coordinator on the field. Yeah. And his job is to fix the run game. So if there's a problem, like if there's too many men in the box, He's using that RPO to fix the run game. So if you're thinking about it that way, like I don't know how you can't like RPOs. Yeah, I mean, I like I said, I, I love them. I know maybe some guys aren't a, aren't a huge fan because you know you, you're putting a you are putting a lot of trust in your quarterback out there. And you know, I could see maybe if you're in a situation where you've got a start, you know, maybe a sophomore quarterback who has never played a game before. You're playing you know a really good team or something like that. Maybe you don't want to, you know, maybe you don't want to leave it up to him. Um, and, and sometimes there are, you know, there are times where you just want a guaranteed handoff. Uh, we had, we had Phil Moff in our backfield this past year, who, uh, Phil's at Clemson now and he scored a touchdown in their spring game. So, uh, and he's the best football player I've ever been around in person. Um, and so there are times where we just really want to make sure that Phil gets a guaranteed touch. Um, so there are times, yeah, you want to be able to control it as a coach, but there are also times when, when the kids need to be able to, to, like you said, fix it on the fly. And what you just mentioned is, you know, a lot of coaches aren't too keen on giving kids the freedom to have so many choices. That might be, um, you know, if you're having that kind of resignation, that might be a signal that, hey, maybe you should kind of maybe simplify your playbook a little bit, maybe not run so many run concepts or, you know, make things a little bit more simple. So the kids are more comp, they're more confident. The confident players play fast. Yeah, and, and when you when you call an RPO, you you as a, as the coordinator, you're giving up control of the offense. When you and that's something you got to live with. And some guys aren't comfortable with that, and that's I mean that's fine. That's their coaching philosophy. But um, I think it gives you more options potentially. But yeah, when you call an RPO for that play, you are giving up control of the offense, and you're handing it over to that to that 16 year old kid. Absolutely, uh, coach. I have one more question for you. Being at Grayson and at uh, the other stops that you've made, 
you've probably been around quite a few offensive linemen who have been recruited to go play college ball. Um, And so what I'm interested in knowing, because I've asked this from college coaches from their perspective, but I'm interested in hearing it from your perspective as the high school coach. Um, What are some of the common traits in offensive linemen that college coaches are looking for in their recruits, you know, other than size, you know, everyone's looking for big kids who can move. What yeah. are some other the other common traits that they are they're all they all seem to be looking for? Um, well, you, you kind of touched on it a little bit, but but explosiveness off the ball, whether that's in the run game or pass game, like like um, and again, you're you're not going to expect your offensive lineman to go out there and run a four or five or anything, but but being explosive off the ball within that tackle box, and then of course you know maybe some instances being able to get outside the the box, like maybe a pin and pull scheme or a screen or something like that, but. But explosiveness, man, like just firing out of your stance and getting where you're supposed to be with violent intentions. Um, I think demonstrating a, a wide variety of skills is important too. Um, whether that's you know for for your for your interior guys, man, the the more the more you have your interior guys that are able to snap a football, um, that makes them a lot more marketable um, because you know. They may not ever play – you know, you may have a guard, and he may not ever play center in college, but he may get that scholarship, you know, or he may get that look over, over somebody who, who just plays guard um, because he, he had a few snaps or he had a few games where he was at center and snapped the ball and just showed that he could do it if needed to be, you know. So college coaches may look at us, well, I'm getting kind of two for one right there. Um, a, and then, you know, a variety of skills in your, in your pass set, man, that's – that's where things can get real technical. You know, what kind of different skills can you show in a pass set? Can you show independent hand usage? Can you show a, a vertical set? Can you show a jump set, right? Can you, you know, show a snatch trap, right? Those types of things, you know, can you, can you deal with a swim? Can you deal with a, a, a bull rush? So, you know, showing a variety of different skills, especially in the pass game, I think, um, you know, are things that, that coaches look for um, in, in that regard. Because, I mean, we all know, you know, teams – Teams are throwing the ball more than ever now, you know, so unless you're maybe going to a place like a service academy or something like that, the coach needs to know that you can pass protect um, and can can do it in a variety of different ways. Like I said, not just, you know, not just take the same set or, or different things, but, you know, show a, di- a variety of different skills of, of hand usage and things of that sort um, in, the, in the pass game. Something I always tell my offensive line kids, especially the ones who are interested in going to college, I tell them, you know, the size – that only catches a recruiter's eye that that'll catch their eye and they'll, they'll start looking at you a little bit. What seals the deal are the other intangibles, like you were mentioning the other things, the other skills. Uh, Cause it's not all just about six foot six kids getting scholarships. You know, some yeah. of them do, but the reason they're getting scholarships is because they're showing those other things. Either it's a mentality thing or it's, they have other physical skills. Um, yeah. Like you were mentioning just, and that like, and then kind of, sort of finishing up with that like towards the end of the play like finishing your blocks man like we had a we had a young man on our team named Garrett Brophy and and Brophy's Brophy was not a big division one recruit he's you know he's not six foot five 320 pounds he was probably six foot six foot one you know 250 pounds but golly he was just he was the hammer you know people always talk about being the hammer of the nail and there was not a play in the past two years where he was the nail. I mean, he is the hammer every single play. 
and he, you know, he just had a different mentality about him. And, um, and we had, I mean, we had other really good offensive linemen too. Um, our left tackle, Tyson Wilkerson, um, picked up some of that this year and was, and was a very physical kid. Um, and so coaches look for that, you know, and just, are you going to finish your blocks? And, you know, we've, we got a, we've got a young freshman on our team. His name's Walt Flynn. He's, I mean, he's going to be big time or whatever. He kind of already is big time, but um, he's got a little bit of that in him too. Just kind of that nasty, that dog or whatever, just to be aggressive about you. And um, you got to have a little bit of that, man. You got to be able to, to just get after it and decide, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to take this one-on-one battle. I'm going to take it personally and I'm going to try to embarrass this kid on, on every play. Absolutely. Coach, if any of the listeners needed to get into contact with you, maybe they had a question about offensive line or anything like that, what would be the best way they, they could contact you? Uh, the best way is probably just shoot me a DM on Twitter. Uh, it's at Coach underscore Timmerman. That's T-I-M-M-E-R-M-A-N. Um, I'm pretty active on Twitter. I love, you know, interacting with different coaches and, and talking about talking ball and stuff like that. Um, so if you're on Twitter, shoot me a message on Twitter. Uh, if not, you know, just shoot me an email. It's uh, jttimmerman53 at gmail.com. Awesome, Coach. Well, I appreciate your time, and hopefully uh, this upcoming uh, fall season, maybe we'll get to see Grayson play on uh, ESPN again. I'll tell you what, man, that was that was a really cool experience for us and, and for our kids, man. They, uh, our, our kids, they, they, they rose to those levels. Um, they were – they were jacked up about that. I know, you know, maybe some kids might get nervous about that stuff, but our, our kids, man, they just thrived in that environment. That was, that was really cool for, for them to, to be able to have that experience. Cause you know I mean? You know, you like to look back on your high school years and think you had fun and stuff like that. So I was very excited for our kids to get that opportunity to play on national TV and, and you know, get in front of a bunch of people's eyes. So, uh, you know, yeah, we'd, we'd love to have that opportunity again for sure. All right, this has been the Armchair Coaching Podcast, and this is Coach Sheffers signing off.